Welcome to Hope Church. Um, my name is Greg. I'm the pastor here, if I haven't met you. Look forward to maybe visiting with you more after the worship service, if this is your, your first time here or so. And let's start with a prayer. One of the things I want to do is pray for our teenagers that are away at camp. We have like 13 of them at uh, camp this weekend and adult leaders. And let's pray that God will continue to build their life um, through the great uh, retreat that they had this weekend. And we'll pray the same for ourselves. Father, we love you. We thank you for um, opportunities to get away at a retreat for our our students. We pray that uh, that your love um, will penetrate their hearts, that your love will be that firm foundation they build their lives on, that they would not question who you are, where you are. They would know that you are their God, that you love them deeply. Lord, for, the, for us, we pray the same thing, that now as we turn to your word, we would see your love. We would know your presence. We pray for your Holy Spirit to, um, to speak now. Um, certainly want to um, humble myself, as we all do, so that we can hear your word uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a message series called His Story Can Change Your Story. And in it, we have been looking at God's story that we see in the scriptures and not only noting the storyline, but knowing just really important parts of the story of God because we believe that his story will shape our our story, your story, my story, and our story together. We're going to talk about that this morning. Um, Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important Parts of God's story. Only, sometimes it doesn't seem that way. In fact, if you were to poll people on sermon topics that they would like to hear about, today's topic probably would not be at the top of the list. It would be lower down on the list. Today we are talking about the church and I, 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 I've just, I, I know what you're thinking. Um, you're thinking I would much rather hear a different sermon, something about how God is moving in my life and uh, helping me and helping me grow and he's there for me. Um, pastors will often say, oh, you shouldn't preach on the church because people want to hear more um, practical things for for themselves. I hope you will find this a very practical sermon for you uh, today. Um, One of the things that makes a sermon on the church difficult is we all have different backgrounds, different experiences with the church. It's true in, in this room. It's also very true outside of our church campus in these neighborhoods around us. And some people have been hurt deeply um, through experiences in the church. Maybe other Christians um, have said some things or done some things that have been that have that have been hurtful and created wounds. Um, some people 
might think, you know, the church just doesn't seem very relevant today. It's a unique place on a Sunday morning to go to if you want to worship God. Um, I mean, I like God, but I don't really like the church. I don't certainly don't think that I need the church. This is you know, kind of a common view of many people today. And one reason for this disinterest or this confusion of the church is sometimes we're not really sure what the church is in the first place. So I want to start with that question this morning. What is the church? If you uh, take out your little note sheet, if this is your first time here, we do provide a, a page in your bulletin where you can jot down notes from the message. And at the top of it is this question, what is the church? And I don't have an answer for you uh, on the screen. I want you to to write in on that line what you think the church is. Don't worry, you don't have to share this with anyone if you don't want to. I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor with this one. Um, write in what do you think the church is. If you pull the streets, if we were to look at the different responses there, we would see probably some some different answers, a variety of answers. You know, some people associate the church with the building. It's that really cool-looking building at the street corner down there. Or that plain-looking building at that street corner over there. Uh, some people might associate uh, the church with an organization of churches, like a particular denomination. It's like the, the Catholic Church or the Presbyterian Church or the Christian Reformed uh, Church. Some people might define the church based on its function. Maybe you do that. What is the church? Well, it's a place that you can go and worship God. Now, what may be of similar importance or maybe even of greater importance than someone's definition of the church or someone's description of the church? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Um, when I was a, a kid, I grew up here in Clear Lake. I attended a local church here in Clear Lake, a vibrant local church here in Clear Lake. When I was a kid, oh my gosh, I would, uh, I would look at the clock in my bedroom on Sunday mornings. And I knew that if it, the clock reached a certain time, that meant we weren't going to church. And I could, like a, whew, a sigh of relief. Why is that? Well, because as a kid, I would, could describe church like this. The church is a place where I go and feel awkward and maybe bored. The church is a place where I go and I'm shy around other kids. And feel out of place, and I count ceiling tiles because I'm, I'm not, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I'm lame and I'm not listening to the pastor, okay? Um, you know, there's no ceiling tiles in here. I'm just noticing that. That's a, that's a brilliant design. This morning, that was my description description of church. And that description, I trust, um, is not an isolated one if you were to poll the neighborhoods. This morning, I'm going to talk about the church because of its massive importance to God's story that we see in the scripture. I hope at the end you will see that. It's massive importance. I want to give you three statements I try to be creative with these statements and make them sound alike a rhyme or something. That didn't happen. Just three statements 
that I hope you'll find meaningful about the church and your place in the church. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you brought your Bible, and I hope you did, turn to Ephesians 2. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, look around in the seats in front of you. You might find one there. If you don't have a Bible, come see me after the worship service, and I would love to give you a Bible. It will be yours, and you can bring it back next Sunday. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through uh, 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. That's how I felt when I was going to church as a kid, as a stranger. But you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Keep your Bible open to that page because we will look a little bit beforehand, a little bit afterwards in the book of Ephesians at lots of scriptures this morning. Uh, We said these past few weeks that one of the most important uh, parts of God's storyline in the Bible is that he is building a temple of his presence in the world. He is committed to doing that. We saw that in Genesis chapter 2 when God planted this garden in Eden, and we said that the garden of Eden was supposed to be a garden temple of his presence. He put human beings in the garden and said, take care of this garden. Work this garden. We said that one of the things that that meant is they were to help this garden to grow, that this temple presence of God, God dwelled in the garden with the people that, that as the garden grew, that God's presence, the location of people with God would grow and spread out throughout the earth. That was Genesis chapter 2. Later in the scriptures, as the people of God became nomadic, the the ancient Israelite people, as they, they were nomads wandering through the wilderness, God had them build a tent called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, whatever they would pack up after staying the night, load everything up and start wandering through the wilderness. They'd pack up the tabernacle and carry it with them. And that was, the tabernacle was a place of God's special presence with his people, this temple. When the ancient Israelites stopped being nomads and settled in the promised land, they built the temple building where God was uh, present. God dwelled with his people there. God's presence really wasn't tied down to a building, right? And that wasn't the point of the tabernacle and this temple building, that God's presence was confined to this, this physical location, right? Last week, we mentioned the scripture where Jesus, after the tabernacle, while the temple was was there in Jerusalem, we, we, we read the scripture where Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And, you know, the people are, some of the people at least are thinking he's talking about the temple building and they're thinking he's a crazy man. How are you going to 
build that thing back up in three days if it were to be destroyed, Jesus. Except Jesus wasn't talking about the building, was it? Was he? He was mean that I am the temple. God lives in me that I am the, I am God, but God's spirit dwelled in him and and he was God's presence to, to the people around him. And now in our Ephesians passage, the Apostle Paul says, now you are the temple. You are the temple. Verse 22 says, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, Christians today and Christians back then in Jesus' day, um, I know we have some similarities. And one of those things that we share in common is we can get comfortable under one roof, like hopefully you're comfortable here on Sunday morning. Uh, I've heard this, people, Christians, being under one roof on Sunday morning. Um, I've heard kind of the clever, fun uh, metaphor, the holy huddle, uh, Christians doing the holy huddle on Sunday mornings. And it's good to be huddled up at times. And Jesus back in his day knew that people like to huddle up. And so he tells his disciples, hey, you'd stay in that huddle. You just stay in that huddle. That's not what he told his disciples, right? He said, I want you to get out. He says in Matthew chapter 28, he says, therefore go and make, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You should go out. And remember that I am with you always to the very end of the age. My presence is with you always as you go out. In other words, you are this temple, but I don't want you to be wholly huddled up. I want you to go spread this temple of my presence throughout the world. So the first statement about the church is this, um, that God is building the church to be the temple of his presence so that God can fill the world. The church is the temple of God's presence so that God can fill the world. How does he do this? Um, well, that's no easy, simple topic, but let's look at it in this way. I want to look at God's building blocks and I want to mention two things, um, two building blocks. At the risk of oversimplifying things, I'm going to give you two. Christ as the cornerstone, and that's a really important building block. Christ is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. Uh, simply think about what would happen to a house if it had no foundation, if it didn't have that big, thick slab. They just started putting wood studs up and roof and got it all uh, built. It may look great. Um, but sooner or later, without a foundation, that house is going to fall apart, right? I mean, sooner or later, hurricane goes through, definitely will fall apart. Might not even take a hurricane to send that house crumbling down. Just a little bit of shaking or shifting. Sooner or later, without a foundation, that house is going to fall apart. So how is Christ this foundation for us so that the church does not fall apart? 
Corinthians. Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, we call Ephesians, um, he wrote at a time when there were different ideas of what you needed to be uh, in order to be a Christian, what you needed to do in order to be a Christian. And there were people of Jewish background who believed in Jesus, and there were people of non-Jewish background who didn't believe, or non-Jewish background who did believe in Jesus as well. And the Jewish believers, they came from this strict religious background. What about the non-Jewish people? They didn't have this strict Jewish background that influenced their thoughts and their life. They had this pagan Roman background that had accustomed them to think in certain ways and act in certain ways. This pagan Roman empire background that uh, prized control using fear as a motivator, that prized worshiping false gods, that um, that legitimized and normalized sexual immorality. This was their background, these non-Jewish people who believed in Christ. If you were looking for a culture to shape your inner life and wanted to you know, have some Christ-like thought patterns, that's probably not the, the background, this Roman background. Uh, it's not the first one you would choose. In other words, there was very little that Jewish believers in Jesus and non-Jewish believers in Jesus saw eye to eye on. It would take someone outside of them to hold them together. Paul writes, just a few verses before in Ephesians, he writes, uh, verse 15 and 16, his purpose, Christ's purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two Jewish and non-Jewish backgrounds, thus making peace in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. See, Jesus reconciled Jews and non-Jews alike to God. And that created the way for them to reconcile with one another. These people of very different worldviews to be held together. So that's one building block. Christ the cornerstone. That's a pretty important one. The other building block we're going to talk about is our lives. And there's two important things I want us to know about our lives being the building blocks of the church, this temple of God's presence. Um, one is this, that we are unique individuals in the church. God builds the church with your unique life, with my unique life, with our unique lives put together. Um, in verse 21, the passage we read earlier. Here's what it says. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That word joined there, it, it means to fit together or to be hinged together even. You think about a, an hinge, two pieces that are connected, that work very closely together, but they're, but they're different. They're different pieces. That same word, joined together, is, it's the word uh, 
kind of put two words together, but one of those words is the word that we get our word harmony from. Think about, you know, a, a, a harmony. Um, like two lines of music working together. Two different lines of music working together, right? Creating something much more beautiful than if it were just one melody line, one simple vanilla line. So God is joining what is different and creating something beautiful. Paul explains a little more about what we need to get to a little bit earlier in Ephesians. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 10, he says, um, For we are God's handiwork. You can substitute the word masterpiece right there. For we are God's handiwork or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has assembled all these unique people, these unique masterpieces to make his church. In Ephesians, Paul describes how Christ gave different leadership roles to the church. This is a few chapters later in Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul writes, so Christ gave these different leadership roles to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. What are they supposed to do? They are supposed to equip, verse 12, equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ can be built up. Notice how Paul refers to the church now as the body of Christ. And it's built up when people are equipped for works of service. See, you have a work of service that God has uniquely created you to do. This work of service, these works of service that God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has given you this unique design. He wants to use your unique design. We're going to start talking about that in much more detail next Sunday, by the way. Your unique design, your your story that God is writing, and how your story fits into this big story of God's. So I hope you come back next week for that. So one thing about us being building blocks of the church, we are unique individuals. The second thing to know about us being building blocks is that we are much more than just unique individuals clustered together in the church. We are deeply connected together. See, God is able to take all these differences, all this uniqueness, including these differences that may make it or make make us think, wow, this this may be a little complicated (laughs) getting together and being connected together. Some of these differences could divide us. God takes all that uniqueness, all those differences, all those things that potentially could divide us. And uh, he puts us together. How does he do that? Um. He makes those differences that could divide us very little. That's, that's, that's how he does it. He makes them very little in comparison to how God reconciles us to himself. Just a couple of thoughts there. Compared to the forgiveness that God had to show us, the forgiveness that we have to share to one another is made very little, right? Compared to 
that how God had to forgive us, whenever we might step on one another's toes or do something to hurt one another's feelings, you know, the forgiveness that we have to show one another is made very little compared to God's forgiveness to reconcile us to himself. Compared to the degree that God had to accommodate us and not counting our sins against us, people who, apart from Christ, are enemies of God, the Bible tells us, the degree that God had to accommodate us, uh, you compare that to the degree that we have to accommodate one another in our differences, boy, how we have to accommodate one another, people of different personalities and preferences, and you know, like to sing different songs or wear different things, church, whatever. Boy, how we have to accommodate one another is just made very small compared to how God had to accommodate us, right? And, and God, because of the love that he showed us, he makes us into one body, one deeply connected body, not just individuals clustered together, but deeply connected body. St. Augustine um, gives this great analogy. And he writes, he writes this, he compares this to a loaf of bread. As one loaf is made up of many grains, and one body is composed of many members, so the church of Christ is joined together of many faithful ones, united in the bonds of charity. Now, the word charity, don't think of like a hand-me-out, but think of it as love, united through the bonds of love. Now, one of the reasons I chose that is because of you think of, of bread. You think of how bread is made, and there's some individual grains. You start off with those individual grains, but then something happens when you bake it, right? A chemical reaction takes place. And what you get out of the oven is different than what you put into the oven. You can no longer separate the individual grains in the loaf of bread because it has been made something new, deeply connected together. We are fused with love. We are fused together. That's why Paul can write throughout his letters that as the church, we belong to one another because you can't just can't just separate these previous individual bits of grain. And when you feel like you belong to one another, when you know that in the church, we belong to one another, it's something Pretty amazing takes place. There's a real fascinating study in the 1960s. Um, doctors noticed there was this one little town in Pennsylvania, Rosetto, Pennsylvania. And they noticed the unusually good health of the citizens of that small town in Rosetto. The death rate for men over 65 in Rosetta was half the national average. Overall death rate in Rosetta was a third of the national average. People are living a long time in Rosetta. Now, Rosetta was was founded, was settled by Italian immigrants, and they named Rosetta after the, the, the region, the town that they immigrated from in Italy. And so doctors, when they were trying to 
put pieces together. Why are people living so long in Rosetto? They started thinking, well, maybe, maybe it's their diet. Maybe they brought over this Mediterranean, this healthy Mediterranean diet from Italy. No, people in Rosetto, Pennsylvania, had given up their olive oil-based diets and with, you know, for lard and, you know, yummy stuff that we eat today. They weren't eating any healthier than anyone else. Maybe, uh, scientists thought, maybe it's they imported just kind of this healthy European lifestyle, rural Italy, probably hilly, you had to walk everywhere, and just healthy lifestyle. And maybe you go to Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and everyone's hiking around, and nope, no, they were, they had become kind of couch potatoes in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and didn't import that healthy lifestyle. What is, what's the, what's the link? Maybe it's the genetics. Maybe just the, in the gene pool in Rosetta, Italy was just healthy genes. Well, they, they would find people who had moved away from Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and they tracked their health. And it turns out that those that had moved away from Rosetta, Pennsylvania, um, did not retain those good health factors that, that they had in, in Pennsylvania. No link could be found to the good health. Then doctors actually started looking at what life was like in Rosetto, Pennsylvania. And here's what they saw. They noticed how multiple generations of families would live in the same house or the same home or or nearby one another. They noticed the family meals that were shared together. They noticed how people would visit with one another on the streets at the local kind of neighborhood uh, center. People would visit with one another on the front porches. In, notice, in, in short, they noticed the deep interpersonal relationships in the community that were shared in the town. And that, that link between interpersonal relationships and physical health actually has been given a name called the Rosetto Effect. And that link has been repeated, has been tested, repeated over and over and over again. So you are much more likely to be healthy living in deep community and eating Twinkies than eating tofu and grape nuts all by yourself. It's been verified. You cannot be emotionally unhealthy and be physically healthy, not for a long time. Something's going to break down. God has designed our emotional life and our physical life to go hand in hand. God has designed us that our emotional life and our spiritual life would go hand in hand as well. Now, the church. Let's talk about the church. The church isn't simply a, a social place, right? I mean, that, that's not why. I mean, we're here. We can make friends, but that's not why we're here, to make friends. It's not just a social network. The church is a family where you get deeply connected together, where you know you can't get plucked out. You can't get pulled out of the loaf. And because you know that you can't get pulled out, plucked out from the loaf, because you know that you belong together, And Christ is really present in the body of Christ. That Christ is here with us. The church is a place where you know you are safe. You know you are safe. 
That's what God is building with his church. So when you are in the church, you experience the presence of Christ. You are equipped for good works that God has designed for you to do, prepared in advance for you to do. You're able to relationally connect with, with others to feed your heart so that you can have a healthy body and soul as well. And so all in all, we see this to be true. Second statement about the church. Because of the work of Christ, my best life is when I am in and when I am with God's family. I know some of you guys grew up in church, you're like, yeah, I I agree with that. And some of you are like, yeah, convince me. Because I can feel pretty good when I'm enjoying the weekend by myself at home or with my family. And I can feel like I connect with God by myself at home. Convince me that that statement really is, is true. You know, when I, when I am not here, when I'm not, when I'm not a, you know, going to church service, I don't have to worry about running into so-and-so that I don't see eye-to-eye on, you know, certain things. It's just easier. And then I can still listen to pastor's sermon on podcast. Or better yet, I can listen to the really good preaching pastor that has thousands and thousands of people listening to his podcast. Why doesn't that work? Because I can feel pretty connected to Christ, Pastor Greg. I promise you. I can... Doesn't Psalm 139 say that I can never flee from God's presence? Christ says, I'm with you always. It seems like I can be in my house or I can be somewhere else and I feel pretty connected to Christ. I can get in tune with the love of Christ all on my own. Well, listen, I couldn't as a, you know, in good conscience as a pastor say, yeah, yeah, I mean, Christ can be present with you wherever you're at and you can feel the love of Christ wherever you're at, but I'll tell you this, you will not be able to do so as much as when you are with God's family, the church. Because a little bit later in Ephesians, Paul writes to these Christians about knowing how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's what we're after. We want to know how wide and long and high and deep is is the love of Christ, right? I want to know that. Can I do that at my home all by myself? Here's what Paul says. Let's look at what he says. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, underline this next statement, together with all the Lord's holy people, not by yourself, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That happens in the body of Christ. That happens in God's family, the church, where Christ is particularly and really present and where we are filled to the fullness of God together. 
Your best life is when you are with God's family, the church. Uh, Kind of finishing us off here, unfortunately, despite this, fewer people are deeply connected to our church today. So why is it? We talked about God's building blocks. Let's talk about kind of the opposite. God's building, yeah, blocks to it. What are the stumbling blocks? What are the barrier blocks to God's building? Um, one, suspicion of others. So if you were to go walking in the woods and, um, and stumble upon a creature that looks like that, what would you do? Would you go reach out and, and pet it? Even if I didn't know what that was, I don't think I'd want to go reach out and pet that thing, right? That creature, that porcupine there, looks like it might hurt me just by looking at it. I would be a little suspicious. And we've been hurt by other people in the past because we do prickly things towards one another at times, right? We just do that. And Paul knew this sure well, and so he tells the Christians that he's writing to things like this. A little bit later in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, he says, be completely humble and gentle with one another. Be patient with one another because you'll need to do that because you do prickly things to one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Because you'll need to make every effort because you do things prickly towards one another. And we've been hurt by people we know and sometimes people that we are or were very close to have hurt us. And then we go to church and we see a bunch of people that we might not know as well and we think, wow, I got hurt in the past, and I don't know these people. I don't know if I want to share myself too deeply with them because I don't want to get hurt. I have enough complicated things going on in my life. So suspicion of others. And here's another thing, suspicion of of differences as another block to God's building. Um. We think differences can divide and weaken the church. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use those differences to actually create great maturity in the church. And this early church that Paul is writing to, it thrived when people who were very different from one another came together. When Jews and non-Jews came together, and God used those differences to build something so strong. When, when the rich and the poor got together and they were reconciled together, when, when men and women, male, female, got together and God reconciled them, brought them together. When we come with our differences and God reconciles us and brings us together. Oh, there's this great maturity that that God builds in the church. It is not a barrier to God's building. It's something that God uses to bring about something beautiful. Another barrier, another block, individualistic culture. Uh, We defend our individualistic selves. We like that in our day and age to think we can exist or strong enough to exist all on our own. 
We don't want others suggesting how we can do things better. We certainly don't want to say, yeah, I'll give you authority in my life. I'll give you authority over my spiritual life. I'll give you authority over my walk in this world and let you have a voice in what I do. We don't want to give people that kind of authority because we have this individualistic culture and we want to think that I'm quite fine on my own. Uh, Fourth bullet point is just a blank line. Because you know what your barrier is. You, you, You... there's something. What is, what is your block? What is your barrier to a deeper connection to God's family, the church? I encourage you to think about that. And maybe even take a risk and share that with someone. Because God loves his people so much, he has chosen to dwell with his people together. And this is the gift that the church has to offer the world, the presence of God dwelling with us. Real healing takes place in the presence of Christ. Salvation comes with the presence of Christ. Christ dwells with his church. Christ died to reconcile us to one another so that we could be his body in the world, his presence. So the last statement I want to make is that Christ's work compels me. He died for us. He compels me to be with God's family, overcoming those blocks that we mentioned. Now, some of you are hurting, and you need a deeper connection. Some of you are hurting, and you need a deeper connection with God's family, the church. We're going to have prayer servants right after the worship service. They'll be stationed right over there. And if you are hurting, I encourage you to go find one of our prayer servants, and they will pray for you, and they'll lift you up. Uh, elders are meeting right after the worship service to receive new members through profession of faith. If you want that deeper connection, just come and talk to the elders. Um, we're, we're meeting in room 19. You go down. The main hall, you turn left, you go past the gym, and you'll dead end in a room 19. Just come come talk to our elders. They'll help you get connected deeper in the church. Your best life is when you are with the church. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are building something life-giving, life-saving, and that is the presence of Christ with us. We pray that you would give us the fullness of your presence as we get connected, as we live out how we belong to one another, as we support one another and encourage one another and love one another and forgive one another and show grace to one another and bear one another's burdens and lift one another up and encourage one another. Lord, help us to know Christ's full presence because in Christ, that is where we find life. Amen.